0: From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter.
1: Imagine trying to be successful in Hollywood. And imagine trying to keep all of your principles intact and, and, you know, maybe go so far as to say your spiritual beliefs, but your integrity, your commitment, your, uh, you know, the, the values that you hold, and imagine trying to make it in Hollywood without compromising those values. You are about to hear the story of a man who seems to have done that pretty well. Um, his name's Devon Franklin. He is uh, the movie producer of... Um, Couple different movies. One of them, most recently, Miracles from Heaven, uh, has worked with Will Smith and for 20 years. has known Will Smith is a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, you're going to hear the whole story, but but the idea of how do you go, how do you become successful without compromising your values? And it's we're talking about a, sort of a spiritual guide to secular success. And what does the spiritual community have to learn about success in business from the secular community? And Inversely, what can the secular community learn about success from the spiritual community? So an interesting intersection and a seeming, seeming a dichotomy of uh, worlds colliding here through this interview with Devon. So I'm so excited to introduce him to you and hear his story of, you know, a, a man here who has been, ultra successful in hollywood and who has done it the right way and has a message for you about succeeding both spiritually and succeeding in the secular world or just succeeding in whatever success looks like for you it's a powerful message on being bold and being humble i think you're going to you're going to love it we'll get started just after this message
0: this episode is sponsored by southwestern coaching Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales, To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst.
1: So if I'm honest with you, the reason that we have our guest today, just point blank, is because we share the same literary agent, and when Nina says, I need to do something, I just kind of do it blindly, because that's how she is, and she's always connected to amazing people. And if you haven't met Devon Franklin or, or heard of him, his story is incredible. Um, He's a Hollywood producer, a minister, uh, New York Times bestselling author, is a regular on many major media shows, you know, Dr. Oz, Super Soul Sunday, Fox News, um, and he's been, you know, he produced the movie Miracles from Heaven, which was actually my first encounter uh, with him, and Devon, uh, Will Smith, said this about him. He said, in the 20 years I've known Devon, he's lived his life in the same way that he makes his movies, with commitment, humility, and a work ethic that demands respect. Um, and he's got a new book that has just come out. It's called The Hollywood Commandments, and I love the subtitle, A Spiritual Guide to Secular Success. Devon, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here.
2: Oh, man, thank you so much for having me. Honored to be here. Um, You know, as you said, (laughs) when Nina says do something, we all do it, so I'm grateful to be here. (laughs)
1: Well, and and there was one of the things, uh, you know, self-discipline, everyone who listens to this show knows that's one of our central themes. And, you know, one of the very first things I saw when I started watching some of your videos and things is you said your discipline contributes to your destiny. So how did you come up with that? And, like, uh, you know, give us a little context for that.
2: Yeah, you know, I really, really believe that. I mean, I came up with it because I've had to live it. And, um, you know, I've been in Hollywood for 20 years and, and have, you know, worked my way up from unpaid intern to now being a producer and running my own company and having a deal with 20th Century Fox. And it is the discipline that has created the path uh, for me to be successful. And I think that the discipline is required for anyone endeavoring to live in their dreams and achieve their purpose, because sometimes, you know, we overlook it. And, uh, I, I believe so many times people aren't reaching the level of satisfaction they want in their life, not because it hasn't been ordained for them, but because there may be an area of their life which they need to employ more discipline I mean you know starting mm-hmm. as an intern, uh, you know I started getting coffee and, and uh, running errands and picking up lunch orders and copying scripts and and doing the filing and doing the faxing. And there was nothing glamorous about it and it really required discipline. I mean, the thing I wanted at 18 years old was my own production company. And I had come from the Bay Area to Los Angeles to go to USC uh, and pursue the dream of Hollywood and and ultimately having my own company. And it took 18 years um, before I actually was able to achieve that goal. And, And that required a tremendous amount of discipline, not only personally but professionally. Because I believe what you do personally shows up professionally, and that just required a lot of sacrifice. It required a lot of um, focus, and every day committing to that day, doing the work, showing up, doing my best to be of service, and trusting that eventually, over time, the very things that I were was working towards would happen, and they did happen. So that's why you know I really so I, huge I, I wanna, discipline, and that's why I put it in my new book.
1: And one of the things, so, you know, I think, uh, you know, in, in the very first of the, the Hollywood commandments, the 10 of them, the first one is your prayers alone aren't enough, which I think, you know, of this. we'll talk about in a second. But one of the things that I loved is when you're telling the story about how do you come up through Hollywood and you were talking about taking care of people's assistance and uh, looking after looking after them. And could you just share a little bit about how you feel like that contributed to that, to that journey? Because I think that's an important message that, you know, now looking at you and, uh, you know, here you are, like, you know, maybe you're a best-selling author, a movie producer, you know, you're friends with Will Smith, you're married to Megan Good. I mean, it's like you see this whole, like, everything that has paid off. But I think it's important for people to, to hear that sort of behind the scenes. So what was your philosophy on, uh, you know, dealing with assistants on the movie set when you first started?
2: Yeah, you know my philosophy. I mean, first of all, I didn't start on movie set. I mean, that's the that's the thing that that you know some people look at Hollywood like, oh, you know, again, glamorous. No, not at all. I started in an office, um, and I was working uh, as an assistant. I mean, as an intern uh, at the company that managed Will Smith, and you know, looking after those assistants. I mean, that was my daily job. Was you know, I went to the assistants. I asked them, you know, what what work do you need done. Um, and I would go around each assistant, I would get their filing, I would do their filing, I would do their faxing. Um, I would, you know, go and get their coffee orders. I would go and, you know, grab their lunch. And I just made myself indisposable to them because, mm. uh, they were the ones that were really the gatekeepers. They were the ones that were in the flow of information. They had access to the talent, they had access to the principals. And so I, you know, befriended all of them. And to this day, um, two of my closest friends I met when I was an, uh, an intern and they were assistants, and, you know, we still hang out and, and are a big part of each other's lives, and so that, in the book, I talk about how we sometimes misjudge who's important and who's not, and based upon who we don't think is important, we may, we may adjust our behavior, um, but I believe that that's not what we should do. We should treat everybody equally and be of service to as many people as we possibly can, and that has served me well because some of those assistants went on to, you know, run production companies and, and work at networks, work at studios. And so people remember how you treated them on the way up. People remember how you treated them mm. when they didn't think that you may need them. And so I think anyone out there, you know, listening, it's like, please, let's not modify our behavior. Let's treat everyone with respect. Let's try and meet everyone's need. And I have no doubt that that will be a main asset to your career. Mm-hmm. I love it,
1: I love it. So the Hollywood Commandments, uh, and it's Ten Commandments, fittingly. Before we dive into the commandments, ah. I want to talk about the the subtitle because you had a spiritual guide to secular success. What uh, give us expand a little bit, like expand a little bit on that on that subtitle. Like, why did you choose that message?
2: Um, because I think that is just the, di- you know, the dichotomy. That's the tension sometimes, is that, you know, can you, can you be spiritual and can you be secular? And I wanted to right. write the book from having been in Hollywood for 20 years, you know, because I say, well, wait a minute. You know, there's a lot of things in the secular world and environment that people of faith can learn from. And there's a lot of things in the spiritual world that people in the secular environment can learn from. So I wanted to do a book that really strike the intersection between what seeming, what most people think are the polar opposites. Um, but I have actually found that they complement one another uh, quite well. And, mm. and so that's why I say, you know, it's a spiritual guide to secular success because I, one of the things that's, that I have found, especially people of faith, there has been this fear of, of even feeling like the you had the permission to to go after secular success. And so I wanted to write this book as a way to be a guide. Here's how you can do it. And then also make people feel like they have the permission, like, no, you can go do it, and you should go do it. And here's why you should go do it, and here's how you can do it in a way that will enhance your faith, not require a compromise of your faith.
1: And you feel like you've been able to, like, legitimately, you feel like you've been able to strengthen your faith Faith. You've been able to stay in alignment with your spiritual philosophies, and you've been able to maintain all that while building this huge career in Hollywood, living there in it every day with celebrities and everything that comes around with that. You feel like uh, that's actually possible.
2: Oh, not only is it possible, it's, yeah, it's doable. It's, just, it's, it's done. It's happening. Yes. And that's why I wrote, you know, The Hollywood Commandments, because I want anyone, you know, struggling with trying to figure out how to navigate these worlds, they could do it. And and the thing that, you know, Hollywood is just a a metaphor. It's just a place that I've worked that I've been able to extract these tips and tools. The book is not for people exclusively in Hollywood. And I think what happens is we think, oh, you know, Hollywood has greater temptation, and and we kind of look at Hollywood at the expense of looking where we are. I don't believe that. I believe that no matter where we work, dependent on our, our ambition, we are tempted based upon what we want. So if you're in a career and you want to move up, then you're tempted to figure out how to do that. And sometimes it can come, you, can make, you may make that choice at the expense of what you believe, at the expense of who you mm-hmm. truly are, at the expense of your personality. And so I don't think that the temptations are any greater in Hollywood than in anyone's particular industry. So uh, you know I want to be clear about that. I'm using Hollywood you know, as kind of a test subject to show, hey, here's how you can be successful, but I, I know that these rules and tips are applicable to any walk of life.
1: Hmm. Well, so, and I want to, uh, you know, I think this audience here is probably, well, I don't know, I guess I was going to say we're probably more on the spiritual side, even though it's a very, you know, secular podcast, I guess, by design, but we're, we, I, I one of the commandments I wanted to talk about is actually number six, and it says you get what you negotiate, and the reason I thought this would be interesting is because I think, you know, the I think there's a part of, in this from coming from the spiritual angle, you think, oh, I have to be sort of soft. I have to be, uh, you know, like I just be kind and humble and graceful, right? But but you talk right. specifically about why negotiation. So can you can you give us a little bit on on that commandment specifically?
2: Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I talk about this uh, this particular commandment because I see so many people, um, you know, under-negotiate uh, because they don't first identify their value. Um, one of the things as it relates to negotiating and understanding your worth is just first and foremost coming to a realization that you are worthy, that you create worth, that you create value, and that you deserve to be compensated for that. And that may seem super simple, but there are so many people that I've come across that I've you know, coached and that I've given advice to where that was the one thing they were overlooking. So as a result of not really coming to a place of, of saying, you know what, I am valuable. I do create value for my organization. I am, wor- I am creating work, and I deserve to be compensated for that. Because they weren't doing that, they were downplaying the negotiation, and they were lowering what they feel like they should be compensated for. So to get what you negotiate, not what you're worth, you first have to, have to come to the recognition, yes, I am valuable, and this is what I, this is what I create. The second thing that, that has to be done is to not assume that where you work is going to take care of you. The organization, the company, is interested in the company. They have the company's best interest at heart, number one. And as a result of that, they're always going to look out for the company. Now, in a negotiation, the company can get a win, and you can get a win. But you must know that you have to be an advocate for the value you create in order to get the win for yourself. The other part that's important that I talk about is you have to define what compensation is. I believe that compensation is more than just money. You know, compensation can be lifestyle. Compensation can be, hey, you know, I want to get home by 6 o'clock to take care of the kids. Um, Okay, can I factor that in to how I do my job? And companies can get really creative when it comes to compensation and when they want to keep you uh, and the other part when it comes to negotiating is you have to face your fears head-on so often the people that I've coached and one of the reasons why I wrote the commandment is because there people are afraid oh I'm afraid well what if I ask for this and they say no or they get mad N- no employer is going to get mad at you for having a high view of the work you create they may not see it the same way and that's okay but don't be afraid to ask for what you believe you're worth and then advocate in order to achieve that. And these are some of the tips and tools in this particular commandment that I have seen work. Uh, And having been on the short end of having had a negotiation when I was an executive and I did not advocate for myself and I accepted something less than the value um, and I had to live with that for years, I said, okay, never again, never again. And when it came time to renegotiate, I certainly made sure that I got what I believed I was worth and got the compensation I was looking for. And that's why I wrote this commandment to help others do the same. Mm.
1: So how do you reconcile the issue of, uh, you know, I'm not the best like Bible memor- memorizer person, but I think there's something in Galatians about like walking with humility and, and all of that stuff. Like, but then, you know, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I am agreeing with you, but it's also like, it's hard. like, how do you reconcile these two things where you go, you know, in the business world, it's kind of like, if I don't fight for myself, I'm going to get eaten up. But, you know, my spiritual beliefs are kind of saying, you know, hey, like, be humble. Like, do you, have you thought through that?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, well yeah, because so, so many times we misinterpret the scripture. Humility references our relationship to God. Humility is about me understanding that I'm under God's authority. And I am under God's power, and it's not my own power, it's the power of him operating through me. So I am absolutely humble as it relates to walking uh, in God and with God every single day. Now, what happens is, when it comes to negotiating for ourselves and it comes to advocating for what we want, being an advocate for yourself is not arrogant. Evaluating, you know, telling a company, hey, here's what I'm worth, here's what I create, that's not arrogant. There's, there, is, there, there is nothing in that that lacks humility. When we begin to eat our own praise, when we begin to say, oh, it's because of me that this, this, and this, and this, then it's like, okay, that borders on arrogance. But when it comes to being a, an effective negotiator and advocate for the value you create, that is, I believe, exactly what God wants us to do. Because when we are in business, when we are operating in our purpose, we do deserve and we do have the right to, be, to say, you know what, this is what I want, this is what I believe God is asking me to ask for, and I am going to be an advocate for myself, because if I'm not an advocate for myself, who else is going to be an advocate for me? And I do believe that faith without works is dead. That means faith with works is alive. And too often when it comes to negotiating, we just say, oh, God will take care of me. Well, maybe God, the way he wants to take care of us is he's given us the ability to be effective, negotiators. He's given us the ability to advocate for what he's already called us to go for. We have not because we ask not. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I do believe that effectively negotiating is not against humility. We negotiate understanding God is in control, and he has given us the ability to advocate for what we believe we are worth.
0: Mm.
1: So th- that it, that whole idea about faith without works is dead. I think that connects to one of the other commandments, is the very very first one. Um, again, so the the book is called the Hollywood Commandments, which is kind of it, again it's sort of like whole. What what is a seeming juxtaposition and a spiritual guide to secular success, which again is this sort of seeming juxtaposition. But you talk about your prayers alone aren't enough, and so you know if you live in the church world, it's like, hey, pray, 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 pray. Um, but then you got to come out first mm-hmm. thing and you say, there's a little more to it than that. So so what's your what's your philosophy there?
2: Yeah, I believe that uh, too often. We, we pray, and we don't do. Um, so the commandment doesn't say prayers don't work. It just says that prayers alone aren't enough. And I do believe that we should be praying and preparing. This is a key tenet of this particular commandment, that we got to pray, and then we get up and we prepare for what we just prayed for. Because too often we pray, and I believe that prayer, sometimes we use it to mask our fear. Because a lot of times we're afraid to mm-hmm. actually go after what we believe God has put in our heart. So as a result, we say, oh, I'm praying on it. I'm praying on it. Okay, that, that's fine. Pray on it, but you got to also go do. You've got to take steps of faith that align with what you just prayed. If somebody says they're going to, um, you know, if you invite someone over your house and they RSVP, and they say, oh, yeah, I'm coming. So what do we do? We clean up our house. Why? Because we expect the person to arrive. We have to treat our prayers the same way. We expect God to answer. So, as, a, as an as an act of expectation, we get ready. And this preparation thing is so important because I do see so many people of faith. They have the prayer part down, but their preparation is not where it needs to be. And if God were to answer. Our prayers. When we are unprepared, we would squander the blessing when it arrives. So I do believe firmly that that it, this and again, this is a, a mixture of the spiritual and the practical. So I pray, and then I get up, I go to work, I get there on time. You know, I do. I'm I'm of service. I meet the need of my colleagues and my boss, whether I like them or not. My feelings about who I work for should not determine the quality of my service or my preparation. So this commandment is all about the power of what happens when we do both, and I believe the combination of both makes us unstoppable.
1: Wow, those are some good things. There's so, um, I think that's a powerful concept that sometimes we use prayer to mask our fear. It's we prayer is an it's sort of an easy veil to hide behind that nobody nobody challenges you, nobody pushes you, nobody uh, you know calls you to to do more and do better whenever we use sort of like the prayer excuse right
2: <laughs> right um oh, all right so, so the prayer excuse so, says yeah
1: um so one of the uh, I, I know we're 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 starting to sort of run low on time as as i, as I figured it would actually before i ask you this last one so uh you know, there's ten commandments here. There, I, I just grabbed three of them that I thought kind of spoke to me or I thought were interesting. before we dive into this last one, you know where do you want people to where should people go uh, Devon to either to learn about you, connect with you? obviously they can get the book and you know wherever, but where do you want to head people to?
2: Um, yes. It, just go to my website, devonfranklin.com. Uh, you, know, you can go there. You can sign up for my, my mentor mail. There's a lot of free resources on the website. Uh, there's also a link there that you can buy the book, uh, and you can definitely you know engage with me there, and I have all my social media handles there. I have my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter there, and would love to you know engage and interact and, and help you as much as I possibly can.
1: Yeah, and one thing um, you know, for, we didn't get a chance. The, the, there is a, the, your your other book. Well, you have a couple other books, but the book, the weight uh, that you and Megan Good wrote together ab- uh, about sexual discipline is pretty. Uh, well, it's one of the things. Yeah. Is uh is a, is an amazing. I want to make sure to just do a little sort of plug for that because I think there's a lot of people here would be interested in that. But um, so coming back to the Hollywood Commandments. Thank you. Um. Number eight of the ten says your difference is your destiny, and you know I I know. Uh, so my wife lost her mom when she was fifteen. I know you lost your dad when you were nine. Um, you know these are these are these are painful things. And when you when you talk about your difference is your destiny, can you kind of like tie all that together for us? Like what is that? What does that mean exactly? And then, and then also, how do I know what my difference is?
2: Um, how do I? I mean, look in the mirror. <laughs> you know, the difference is actually the easy part because uh, none of us are the same. Even if you're twins, you're not the same. There's something different uh, about you. So I think the difference part is, is actually the easier part. I think sometimes embracing the difference is the hardest part. Uh, You know, having grown up as a middle child, uh, you know, of three boys and have, you know, never really felt like I completely fit in, um, you know, and also for some people, you know, even writing this book, you know, some people in the spiritual world say I'm too secular and some people in the secular world say I'm too spiritual. So it took a lot of courage for me just to say, you know, I have to own who I am. I have to own what makes me different and believe that that is going to be enough. And having navigated my career owning that difference, it is e- it's not easy. It's hard because it's painful, you know, because a lot of the time you're alone, you know, you're charting a course that others have not gone down before, and we all have a need to want to be accepted. And sometimes we have to sacrifice that need for acceptance because acceptance in some instances would require us to forfeit what makes us different just to fit in. Mm. And having mm. had those moments and having seen the benefit of owning difference uh, that 's why I wrote this commandment, because I do believe that all of us are created to make an impact in the world, and I do believe that that impact is directly related to our difference, what makes us think different, how we look different, how we create different um, you know all of our purposes you know are different to a degree, our passions are different, our talents are different, and that 's what makes the world the incredible place that it is. And I think that's the highest testament to God, of, of honoring that difference and, and honing that difference as a way to say, God, I love how you created me, and I don't want to change who I am, and I want to harness the full power of who I was created to be. And that's what this commandment is all about, and I do believe our difference uh, it takes us to our destiny uh, because we we all were uniquely suited to do something in the world and it's our difference that will help us get there, not exchanging what makes us different for what makes us common. You know, that, that is a sure way to never operate in the fullness of, our, of what we were created to do. And so this idea of difference, it, it, we have to identify it, we have to hone it, we have to embrace it, we have to hold on to it. And, it, again, not easy, but absolutely worthwhile because in the end it will pay off. When you look at the people who have made the greatest impact on the earth, They are the ones who have owned their difference. Uh, Even at the expense of people talking about them, people saying they're crazy, they owned it, and as a result, the world is better for it. And that's why I wanted to write this commandment to encourage people to do the same.
1: I love it. Uh, Devon Franklin, my friends, the book is called The Hollywood Commandments, A Spiritual Guide to Secular Success. Uh, Devon man thank you for just bringing the for bringing the message of God and bringing uh, you know spirituality into I think a place that could really use a lot more of it in Hollywood and it, it makes it makes me feel good knowing there's people like you and your wife right there in the middle of, of everything that's going on and to see you guys wow. not only winning but she but sharing your heart is man it's 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 really important you're you're in a really important place in the world so thank you
2: thank you so much really appreciate it so grateful for all that you're doing and you know giving people like myself a platform for the message to be heard
1: actually it's really encouraging to me that people like devon are there in la i mean i meant that from the bottom of my heart and I mean, what a cool guy. I watched some of his videos. His interview with Oprah about his book, The Weight, was really, really powerful. And that's where I heard him say, your your discipline contributes to your destiny. Which, by the way, this is sort of our tweetable moments uh, segment, which is something I'm trying to do more and more so that you start engaging with our guests. Um, So you can tweet at Devon Franklin. It's D-E-V-O-N franklin uh, all one word so if you're on twitter uh you know shout out to him and say hello tell, let him know that you heard him here on the podcast uh it always helps us get uh you know other guests more well recognized guests as we as we reach out and connect with people like that so um it's good to it's good to have you reach out to them so i'm going to give you a couple other of my favorite tweetable moments that came out of that interview from uh, devon so one of them, which I think is very fitting, right in Hollywood, people remember how you treated them on the way up. People remember how you treated them on the way up. Uh, I loved this one. Being an advocate for yourself is not arrogant, and I think that's such a such a key a key learning lesson and understanding. You know that distinction between uh, advocating for yourself is is not. Uh, arrogant. Here's another one that I thought was so powerful. We're going to talk more about this in a second. Sometimes we use prayer to mask our fears. Sometimes we use prayer as a way of masking our fears and protecting us from facing fears. I think that's good. Um, and then when he mentioned this part, he said, People of faith are good at the prayer part, but often not good at the preparation part people of faith are good at the prayer part, but often not at the preparation part. We don't expect God to show up, and so we'd squander the blessing if he did anyways. That is such a, a powerful thought. And then the last thing I thought, you know, that was really like a tweetable moment for me was when Devon said, every successful person in Hollywood got there by em- owning their difference. Embracing the difference is the hardest part those are such good ideas and just you know little moments of learning from somebody who i mean this is a guy that is like friends with will smith right like is is making major movies he's married to megan good i don't know if you know who that is but she's a major major famous celebrity and um you know just I, I just think it's so powerful, and, and it's, it's like I said, it's encouraging to me to know there's a couple right there in the heart of things happening that are advancing, you know, sort of uh, Christian values and, and biblical concepts and, 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 you know, in Devon's case, making actual, you know, Christian movies. But um, as I was thinking about everything that he said to me and how am I going to pull that together into my life and how do I sort of distill his message down into taking action on it? Right. For me personally, I think there, there were sort of four parts that really, I think emanate sort of from his story, his, his network, who he is, the things he's done, the things that he's working on. You know, we get to chat, of course, a little bit before and after every interview. Um, and i think you know these are these are sort of like almost like the four four phases for how somebody could become you know a huge hollywood success and i think the first the first one is don't hide don't hide and I thought that was pretty insightful, this idea that sometimes people, we use prayer as a, as a, as a mask for our fear. Well, and it's, it's kind of like, well, yeah, obviously we use prayer when we're scared. That's, that's part of why we should pray. But we also use it almost as like this excuse or this justification for not having to act right and and that is like the ultimate the ultimate ultimate protected excuse is to say oh well you know i'm 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 praying about it and because nobody wants to intrude there you know on on sacred ground but you have to you have to be honest with yourself about about saying you know am am i hiding behind prayer and using that as a as a purpose for procrastinating Am I using prayer as a purpose for procrastinating? And because the payoff, the payoff of of just praying, is in, is that you don't have to act. It's like, oh, I want God to do it for me. I just want God to take care of it for me. And and of course He does. Of course, God ultimately at the end of the day is is determining our steps, right? But He's inviting us and challenging us also to take action and for us to step up. And so, don't hide don't hide behind that. And maybe it's not prayer that you're hiding behind, right? Like maybe it's some other excuse that you're hiding behind. Maybe you're not even, you're not even wanting to admit and say, gosh, I, I, I do feel this dream on my heart. I do feel compelled to want to accomplish this goal or I, I do want to go back to school or I do want to whatever, write a book or become the top producer or break the company record or, or but you're not even wanting to acknowledge that. You're trying to hide from it and and it's it's like the opposite of owning it. So don't hide. It's like that that call on your heart, whether you're a you know, this is a spiritual thing or not, like it's there for a reason. You're being pulled in a direction. So don't hide from it. Um, embrace it, which leads leads me I think to the, the second the second phase here, which is don't wait. So first of all don't hide you got to acknowledge that it's there and then the second one is don't wait. Okay so now you know you have this dream. Now you know you have this calling. Now you feel moved to go in a direction. So go. Like do it now. Take action now. There don't hesitate, don't delay, don't wait. Like move. You have to you have to act. And I and I can only imagine what that looks like in Hollywood, right? Somebody who you know, you've got a limited window probably to make to, to make a connection with somebody or to make an impression and you have to act. It's like you have one moment to go, you know, introduce yourself to somebody, make your case, try to create a door opening and and then make the most out of it. And that's how every dream is. Is there's often these these split seconds that the door is open, that it's cracked and it, and it's like the people who win, the people whose dream come true, it's not because it was destined for them or because they had more talent or whatever. Often it's because they acted, they saw that crack in the door and boom, they hit it. It's, it's like intense speed. I, I even sort of think of, of what we've kind of wor- learned from some of the Navy SEAL culture about the, this dichotomy of patience and action. It's like this, this, you need this combination of, of of being patient and patient and then the moment there's that opening like boom you act you go you fire you 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 take advantage and you move on that opportunity. So obviously your dreams aren't gonna come true if you're hiding from them and you have to get out, out of that first and then once they're out in the open then you have to be willing to act. And I think that brings me to step three or phase phase three which is be bold, be bold. Like when I think of Devon's story and I think of somebody, you know, first of all, just making it in Hollywood, it's, you have to be pretty bold, right? Like you have to be, you have to really go for it. You really are, are, are um, you know, you're swinging for the fence But the other thing that I love is look at what he's doing now, right? Like, he is talking about scripture. He is making movies uh, about Christianity. He is under fire, under he, even as somebody who is one of, you know, has become a very, very – successful and and recognized executive in Hollywood, then he's still bold. He's still pushing the limits of what's comfortable, right? Like he's talking about God. And in his book, The Weight, um, he comes straight out and talks about how a lack of sexual discipline, uh, how a lack of discipline in your sex life will translate to fall in every other area of your life. And he wrote that book with Megan, like the two of them wrote it together, but I thought it was really, its a it was powerful about, they make this connection to how a lack of discipline sexually starts to de- deteriorate the other areas of your life. And that's a pretty bold thing to say, and it's a pretty bold topic to handle, right? And that's part of what I just love about him, is he's just bold, and I think we could all afford to be a little bit more bold, right? Like if you're in sales, it's like, be bold, go get it. Don't be afraid, knock it down, wear it with pride, like own it um, and, and do it and be bold. And then the last one, number four, was be expectant. Be expectant. I loved his analogy of when you invite somebody over for dinner and they say they're coming, you prepare for them and you expect their arrival and your your behavior your behavior modifies based on what you assume to be happening in the future right and and now based on what based on their commitment based on their word right and and so you extend an invitation to them they accept all you have is their word but then you you modify your behavior because you're you're expectant well God has RSVP'd in that way, right? Like, Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, and if you are, you know, if you're a Christian, you know, this is like famous verse. says for I know the plans I have for you, plans uh, to, to prosper you, not to harm you. The, like, to, to give you a hope and to give you a future. Like, if you're a believer, God has promised you that. So, are you expecting that? he is going to give you those things are you expecting him to show up and even if you're not a believer like if if you have an expectant hope for the future if you believe that tomorrow can be better to, to, than today then you start acting as such you start uh, modifying your behavior and doing the work and preparing for it so that you you don't squander it when it comes right don't invite success to show up in your life and then not be prepared to take advantage of it when the opportunity does. Just like don't invite someone to come to your house and then not have a meal prepared for them when they show up. You have to be expectant. You, 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 you have to believe and know that this goal, this dream, this hope, this want, this desire that you have in your life, that once you have invited it, that it's going to show up. And that is what world changers do. So don't hide, don't wait, be bold, and be expectant. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log into whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment, as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them.
0: If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.